It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. Hope everybody's doing good. We're going to be getting right to our quarterback preview here in just a moment. So give us a, a second here. Cat's getting back on the air right now as we speak. The beauty of going live, being in two separate states, we sometimes have these technical difficulties. So not a worry at all. Cat, welcome back, buddy. I'll let Man, you get back into your spiel here. This is what happens start, when we do it at lunchtime. Start, started off draft season on a rough note here. I just... That was, myself the, that was the equivalent of our Dolphins first round picks uh, right there. <laughs> uh, well, welcome everybody here. And uh, yeah, so uh, as far as the quarterback position is concerned here, uh, you know, it's not going to be as exciting as the 2022 draft season when we talked or even 2021 when you had five quarterbacks going in the top 15 picks of the draft the year after they did the Dolphins drafted to it. But Paul, and you may have um, already mentioned something about this, but as if it needed to be said, uh, Mike McDaniel made it very clear that Tua is the starter. Teddy Bridgewater is the backup. And, you know, based on this, these news stories that have come out of nowhere from the media, um, it's embarrassing that it needed to be said. Everyone knew what was going on when the Dolphins signed Teddy Bridgewater to back up Tua, but it did need to be said. Yeah, like, I mean, as if the media didn't have enough to write about right now, the fact that Teddy didn't definitively say what his role is, just that he knew his role and was very accepting of it. Uh, the media tended to take that and just run with it and create their own little microcosm of a story and controversy. That doesn't sound like the media at all, does it, Kat? Yeah, and Mike, Mike Florio expected Bridgewater to come out and say, hey, I'm Teddy Bridgewater. I'm a loser, and I'm, half, and I'm only a backup quarterback, guys. <laughs> That's what he expected. Otherwise, it's this big news story. No, it's Tua is the starter this year. Uh, that's the reason, a big reason why Mike McDaniel was hired. And mm -hmm. I'm excited that an offensive mind like Mike McDaniel was so eager to come here to the Dolphins and, and yeah. work with Tua, right or wrong. I mean, Did, didn't he also say that the Brady thing was 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 baloney? I'm not sure. I never paid attention to the Brady thing to begin with. I know, but didn't he, didn't he actually come out and say that? I, I thought he did. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. You probably know more, know more about that than me. I mean, I very rarely listen to news conferences or, or anything like that because I'm going to hear about them anyway if there's anything noteworthy. Otherwise, it's just people saying the same thing politically correct over and over again. So I, you, you, you probably have a better pulse on that, on that than I do. But about Tua, before we get into these quarterbacks here, I am not a Tua, what you call believer, okay? I've never been. I wanted him to be the draft pick fifth overall over Justin Herbert. I'll admit my mistake on that. Um, but two things can be true at once, I say. Number one, Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins over the last two years could have written the book on how to not develop a quarterback. Put him behind the worst offensive line in the league. At running back, the Dolphins last year were bottom three in both yards per carry and yards run. Um, their receivers were one of the worst in the league in yards, yards after catch. That's not the case this year with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, and one of the worst in terms of metrics and uh, as far as separation. That is a terrible situation for any young quarterback. Not to say the other ones couldn't have overcome that, but for Tua, it's been terrible. And then part two, it's also true that even with a great supporting cast, Tua may not be good enough physically. But if that's the case, then you move on here 
after this year. But what I like and I'm excited about is he's going to be given every single last opportunity for the Dolphins to know who he is. Yeah, and I, th- I think his floor, uh, if he can stay healthy, his floor in a good scheme is good enough. And that's not saying he's definitely going to be a great quarterback. I see some stuff that I like as potential for him. Um, he could develop into a very great quarterback, especially given the right scheme, which I think we'll finally have. And this is something we haven't been able to do. Like, as you said, I wouldn't say we had the worst offensive line in the league. I think we manufactured the worst offensive line in the league. We didn't have a great line. The players that have talent are young guys with some promise that weren't being coached up very well. And then our scheme was so atrocious, it took a low-end offensive line and made them the worst in the league. And, and that's that's an important distinction as we get teachers in the building. It really, truly is. I somewhat agree with you to a certain extent. Um, I also say that it is a clear talent issue, too, and it has been mm-hmm. up, until the, up until this point. Because, look, I said – in 2020, Austin Jackson is not a good football player. He is at USC. He was not good in his final uh, two years there, or his final two years. And if you look at his final year there at, at USC, he played three NFL quality opponents, Bradley and I, uh, Julian Aquora, and uh, AJ Epineza. He whiffed against all of them. And then Liam Eikenberg, you're not going to make his arms longer. You know, it's, it's it, that's what it comes down to. But what I do like is that now you got Teron Armstead and Connor Williams there in the building. Uh, you take those resources now, Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg, maybe Michael Dieter too, and you push them over to the right side. It makes that offensive line better. And it's quite possible still the Dolphins will add a center or a veteran right tackle along the way here still. It is possible. I mean, and we've still got Robert Hunt in the fold as well, which is awesome. So, yeah, but. As, as, as we said, this is our quarterback preview show for the NFL draft. We're not avoiding it just because we don't have a need at quarterback and we don't have a pick in the first two rounds. Yeah, and we'll see if uh, you know any of these guys interest us uh, with the Dolphins having, uh, as of right now, five picks, third round, fourth round, fifth round, and two seventh rounders. Um, so taking a look at this group, Paul, and it's been clear for several months now really who the top five guys are in no particular order. Kenny Pickett from uh, Pittsburgh, Malik Willis from Liberty, Sam Howell from North Carolina, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Matt Corral from Mississippi. Again, no particular order on that. I'm curious um, if the Dolphins had a need a quarterback and had a, a pick in the first couple of rounds, if you were the Dolphins GM, where you would rank these top five guys here? Because there's so little separating them in a lot of you know draft neck circles here. Um, among the top five, I'd, I'd, I'd say Malik Willis or I'd panic and I wouldn't love saying Malik Willis. You know, I, I think you have to overdraft to potentially get a possible backup quarterback amongst those top five this year with Malik Willis showing the most promise out of all. Of them. So Willis won. And then from that point, Pickett, Howell, Ritter, Corral, how would you stack those? Uh, Pickett's the number two, but it's, it's, it's. Then I guess I'd go Howell, Corral, Strong. Um, but it's ugly. It's so very s- ugly. 
So strong, I didn't even include. So uh, you you would have strong above corral. I'd corral above strong. All right. So for you, Willis, Pickett, Howell, and oh, then yeah. who's? Yeah, Howell. I'd, I'd put Howell above above strong here. Sorry. Okay. I'd... So 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 stick with me. Willis one, Pickett two, Howell three. Then you've got Ritter, Corral, and Strong as your four through. I've six. got Ritter above Howell. And then um, Corral. Okay, so for you, it's Willis, Pickett, Ritter, Howell, Corral, and then Strong. Yeah. Okay, got you, got you. It sounds good. Mine, mine's not too far off. So uh, we'll get into this, uh, the players a little bit more in just a sec. For me, number one, Malik Willis. Two uh, is, uh, is Pickett, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. Three would be Howell from North Carolina, four Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, five Matt Corral from Ole Miss. And then for me, Carson Strong is a little bit further off the page, very simply because of his injury. But anyway, Malik Willis, we talked about this a little bit in our mock draft episode here that, you know, the thing that comes to mind for me with him, yeah, I mean, he's a quarterback out of Liberty and he didn't dominate at Liberty. I mean, he had 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions last year, which are good numbers, but when I look at him, I, I, t- I take a look at the quarterbacks from years past who had the clear physical skills. Like, and I think a lot of people have, have revisionist history about these quarterbacks, like Pat Mahomes, like um, Deshaun Watson, like you know Lamar Jackson. They, these guys who are now in the top ten of quarterbacks, they were a lot of these guys were a mess coming out of college. Josh Allen's another one. Josh Allen back in uh, twenty. 16 the year before he came or excuse me 2017 the year before he came out for the draft he had 1800 total or passing yards and 16 touchdowns in 12 games for wyoming at a 56 percent completion percentage but you saw the physical skills so in our mock draft i had malik willis going second to the lions because i'm thinking if you really want to move the needle as an organization you've got to you've got to make a move like this to me because if you draft a cave on Thibodeau, even if he's good, you're probably going to still win only five games next year. So he's somebody that could go in the top five or top six. He's somebody who could fall out of the first round. He will go in the first round. Uh, I'll say that pretty definitively, even though for me, and, and he'll go in the top half of the first round. For me, he's a bottom half of the first round talent-wise but he's the only quarterback I'd even really truly consider other than the, Oh God, I need a quarterback movement um, in the first round. If all things were equal. Yeah. I mean, he's a transfer from Auburn. Like I said, didn't dominate at Liberty, but if you're talking about somebody with four, four speed and can throw the ball like he does, those are the traits and the tools you want to work with. And if if he goes to the lions, I think that's the best situation. And, the Lions would probably end up trading down to get them or trading back up with a 32nd pick instead of using the second overall. But if that's not, a, if that's not possible, maybe they do pull the trigger on him really early. That's more of a gut feeling for me uh, at this point in the process, because he can sit behind Jared Goff for a year or two. Goff is good enough to keep the Lions competitive till then. Number two for me is, is uh, Kenny Pickett. To me, the most refined pocket passer in this draft, mechanically sound, and 42 touchdowns this past year. But the question I have is what happened the two years before that when you threw for 
13 touchdowns. He went from 13 touchdowns in back-to-back years in 2019 and 2020 to 42 touchdowns in 2021 in his final year as a senior on a pit team that, that won 10 games. So he's somebody that I actually had going sixth overall to the Panthers um, in our mock draft. And I could see that still because I don't know what else the Panthers are going to do at the quarterback position. And he's somebody you can slot right in there. But again, these are the, those are just predictions right now because these guys could really go anywhere. Yeah. And, and for me, so I happen to know that Dan Campbell is very big on Tim Boyle behind Goff, very big on him, like potential wise and de- like if they can develop him. And Dan does weird things. We know this. We're Dolphin fans. We're very aware. And I just, I don't see him also grabbing a quarterback just to grab a quarterback. I, I don't think he looks at Malik Willis and says, oh my God, we're at number two and we got to get this guy. Now, if the Lions trade down, I can foresee that happening. But I think if they trade down too far, you're going to see the Panthers or the Falcons or one of three or four other teams in that top 15 that truly and direly need a quarterback go ahead and grab. And I also think that um, the Steelers are going to go quarterback come hell or high water. Uh, And that's where I see Kenny Pickett going in the first round, even though I don't view him as a first round talent. Yeah, I think that's well said on Pickett. And yeah, if the Lions traded down with the goal of trying to still get Malik Willis, it would be so telegraphed that somebody may jump ahead of them if they wanted him. Um, Mike Tomlin is said to love Malik Willis and they yeah. picked 20th. Now I will say this too. And even though I mocked a quarterback to the Steelers in the first round, we can, we can do another little side bet here too. I, I think the Steelers don't draft a quarterback because they tend to prefer. I, it doesn't strike Mike Tomlin and the Steelers team does not strike me as a team that would reach on a quarterback. Um, but you never know. I mean, I, I, I think they would much rather add another starter and try to zig when the rest of the league is trying to zag in the AFC at, at the quarterback spot. So I see him sticking with Trubisky. Uh, not saying that's the right move, but and also too on Dan Camp. Before I throw it back to you, that's an if interesting they, zig, like committing to not really having any quarterbacks um, in Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and I think they've got a fourth guy on the roster that's so bad he's behind all three of them clearly. Um, I just, it's yeah. If, if Pickett and Malik Willis are off the board, that's when I see Tomlin waiting till maybe later on to go after somebody. And at 20, I mean, anybody's in play there. I mean, any of these five quarterbacks we've, that we've mentioned here, um, Sam Howell from North Carolina, this is a PFF's top rated quarterback at this point in the process. And he was a top five lock before the season. Um, and then North Carolina lost on offense. They lost, lost Javante Williams and Michael Carter running back to the draft. They also lost Yami Brown and Daz Newsom to the draft. Not a whole lot of talent there offensively, but Howell still threw for over 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns to nine interceptions. I see him as, and PFF put it perfectly on him, he is a, he's a one-and-run type of, of thrower where he's either going to see – that wide receiver winning and get the ball out and over the top quickly, or he's going to run or he's going to make one decision and he's going to go with it. So as far as actually reading the field, 
I, I don't think he's there yet. That's why I don't think he's going to end up going in the first round. But those, the size, the traits, you know, the the arm strength on deep passes, and he ran for 824 yards this past year. I mean, to me, that's a lot to work with. So that's why I've got him him third behind Willis and Pickett. Yeah, and one of the guys that I think is hilarious because you just mentioned Howell being the top rated was, I know you probably recall this, but early on in the draft process, everybody was trying to push Desmond Ritter up the board. And then everybody went and looked at him and went, no, nope, nope, never mind, never mind, nope, nope. So he's an interesting one. I can't get behind Matt Corral. And and Carson Strong's one that just continues to slide in my opinion there's not a lot i love with him i i tend to like some of the guys to be honest with you down at the bottom of the pile more than anybody we're talking about thus far and the best part about that is if miami goes quarterback it'll probably be somebody down the list of ways absolutely and and we'll get to those in a second there because i know you you had a name in your mock draft that you want to talk about um yeah as far as desmond ritter he's right there with the other guys but i'm with you on that i mean i've said he's a less accurate ryan Tannehill, and that (laughs) He's he's big. He's six four. He's two sixteen. He's a he's a patient quarterback. I would say. I would say slower uh, decision making. Uh, that's scary. Uh, but go with it, patient. That's better. That's nice. Patient, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's and look, but the guy is six four, two sixteen, and he ran a four four nine. I mean, I would argue he doesn't show that a lot. Kind of like how you know Tannehill was fast, but was he, you know. Was he actually running away from people in the open field? No, and I don't think Ritter would either. And Ritter doesn't use his feet as much as like a Matt Corral or a Sam Howell do, or at least in college. But I will say he is he's big. He's got a good arm. He ran a 4-4-9. He's gotten better every single year. And people rave about his character. I just don't know if he's going to actually be able to put it all together. To me, for him to be successful, he's going to have to go to a team like the Saints that have Anita quarterback, they've got a good defense. They've got Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Even without Armstead, they've got a pretty good offensive line. I could see him going there and kind of caretaking that roster for eight or nine wins until he gets better. But if he goes to the wrong situation, you ask him to win games on his own, I think you're, you're setting him up for failure. So, Kat, I think you just sold Sam Howell to Shake, uh, one of our admins, because the way you just described Sam Howell was the same way a lot of people talked about Justin Herbert. As, a, as in his final year, oh, I I can see that. I mean, look, Herbert, uh, as far as intermediate passes, was very very uh, was very accurate. He would throw to the wrong shoulder, and that always bothered me. And just the details of Herbert's game is why I went away from him uh, as a prospect. But yeah, I mean, you put say something crazy happens and Sam Howell falls to day three. I, I don't think there's any chance in hell that's going to happen. But that ability to throw the ball over the top, the defense, and now you've got Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that, that might be worth drafting in the fourth round as a developmental quarterback because you, we're always in favor of throwing as many resources at, at that position if, as possible because if you hit on a third or fourth rounder, you saw with Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, these guys, you're able to take a, a $1 million contract for per year and and – rebuild the roster that way. So I'm getting way ahead of myself. I, I can see it now, Kat. We'd, we'd get him and we'd have um, about 40 running plays and two pass plays. Oh, no, three pass plays. Screen right, screen left, throw rainbow downfield. 
<laughs> that might be that might be the offense Howell has to be in because if, <laughs> if if you ask him to get in there and make all these tight window throws, I, I, that's not going to work out for him. Um, Matt Corral, you know, you know, it's funny is Matt Corral is somebody that most people have as their second or third quarterback in this draft, and we've both got him down here as as fifth. And I'm I'm curious why you had him lower than the other guys. I know he's coming off the injury and he does have some talent, but again, he's part of just like, I've got, this is going to sound terrible, right? But my quarterbacks this this year are like tiered and there's great, which has nobody in it. There's excellent, nobody in it. And then there's maybe he'll be good. And you got Malik Willis and then you've just got meh. There's, there's one band that's just meh and Matt Corral, Carson Strong, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. They all have too many question marks. They haven't shown that they've all got, they've all got quirks that keep them from hitting that potentially even being able to come near a ceiling or scarily enough, they might be at their ceiling already. And it's just, and it's not a position of need for me. And like for Miami, there's no way I'd take a chance with, you know, a lot of these guys. And then even if I was on a quarterback hungry team, Jesus, like the temptations there. If I, if I had to get one of these guys to just design some type of elaborate wildcat offense, like it's that just, uh, yeah. Corral Corral makes plays with his legs. And the thing with, for me with him is when you're talking about a quarterback and the first couple of things that come out of, uh, out of your mouth about him are that he's, a team leader and he's tough and he makes plays with his legs. I, I immediately, those are red flags to me. And as far as throwing the ball, he has a really tight, compact, quick release that it's impressive to watch when he makes that throw. But he also, as far as getting the ball out and over the top, it, it doesn't look good. And, you know, if, if six foot, I, I just want to jump in for one second. I'll hand it right back. If you're going to go with Matt Corral in this draft and what he offers, you might as well just wait and take Dustin Crum in the seventh or undrafted because you can say some of the same question marks are about him because Dustin Crum can run RPO. He can run the short game all, all, all day, but there's questions about his mechanics. There's questions about his accuracy. There's questions about his decision-making and if he's ever going to actually be able to make those NFL throws. But he can lead an offense, and he's charismatic. Well, I, I think that the difference is Corral can, as far as intermediate throws, he can absolutely fit the ball into tight spots. He's a good athlete. And, you know, he also took an Ole Miss team from 500 to, you know, 10 wins and 11th ranked in the nation last year. So yeah. he's put a lot of good things up there. That There's no doubt about that. And to me, he's got to go to an RPO type of team where, where you're really limiting the throws that he needs to make. And because of that, I, th- I, I don't think there's going to be a, I don't think all 32 teams are going to be interested in him. And he's already had injury problems. He's six foot two, 200 pounds, but part of his game is being tough and taking a lot of hits. Well, when I hear that, I hear injured in the NFL because of that style. So yeah. again, guy can go anywhere. Speaking of injured, uh, Carson strong from Nevada, if his knee were healthy and we were playing in the 1980s. Carson Strong might be the number one pick in the draft. I mean, we're talking about uh, somebody who is big, six foot five, 230 pounds, and 
uh, excuse well, six foot, excuse me, six foot four, 220 pounds and has a rocket for an arm. And it's an accurate arm too. The thing is with him though, he has absolutely no escapability. He's going to throw the ball inside the pocket. One comparison I saw is Drew Bledsoe. I'd say he's a worse version of Drew Bledsoe, but he's also got uh, osteochronditis in his knee. And, you know, without getting too deep into the medicals, that knee is in really bad shape. And I think it's going to drop him here on a lot of boards. So basically what that means is that that knee, it's blood struggles to get to the bone in that knee. So higher risk of injury and more than likely a degenerative injury. I'm not enough of a doctor to elaborate on that, but, and also too, when you're a pocket quarterback, you rely on that knee to, you know, if you're, if you're standing in the pocket. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to be shocked at where Carson Strong ends up going because of that injury. Some people have him in the second. I, I see him falling mid to late day three. Yeah. Early to mid day three, I should say. Fourth, fifth round, I'm going to say. I think he'll go in the first two rounds, but I don't think he deserves to go in the first two rounds. There's still some very quarterback hungry teams that are going to panic when the game of musical chairs here starts to settle down even more. You can see some of that panic already. Um, as far as the free agency and draft pro- the, um, trade trade market went thus far, Baker Mayfield may be the best of what's available right now, and it's not that's not a good place to be. Um, although Jimmy G might be available too, and that's also not a great place to be. So yeah, yeah. If the, I had the, to guess, I would say Jimmy G ends up staying, and Baker Mayfield ends up with Seattle and competes with Drew Lock. Uh, Panthers traded for the third overall pick in 2018 and Sam Darnold last year. And that was a nightmare. If they trade for the first overall in Baker Mayfield, who is less likable than Sam Darnold was, I, I think that's <laughs> going to be even worse there for the Panthers, even though I think Mayfield's a lot better than Darnold. But um, yeah, Paul, looking at the rest of the quarterbacks, I mean, after these top six, it's, you know, who it's, you've got seven or eight guys that either, either you want nothing to do with, or maybe, Hey, Sixth, seventh round could be worth a flyer. I, I'd say the consensus seventh guys, Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. I'm not a big fan. I don't see the arm at all. Um, he threw for almost 6,000 yards last year and 62 touchdowns for Western Kentucky. Don't get too excited, though, because Brandon Dowdy, if you remember him, sixth or seventh rounder for the Dolphins back in the Adam Gaze era in, t- in 2016, threw for 97 touchdowns for Western Kentucky in two years. So, didn't amount to much. I think Zappi's career, NFL career, is going to be similar, even though he might be a little bit better of a prospect. But um, I've got two he, or so three he's names. Got enough upside between him and guys like Caleb Ellaby in different ways that they're worth a late round flyer on to bring them in and just see what they've got and see how you can develop them, especially if you've got a, a room full of teachers out there. Yeah, Ellaby is somebody that. I had on kind of my short list as, as guys in the sixth, seventh round, I might be interested in, um, you know, he's got mobility, he gets the ball out quickly. I don't think, I think he really struggles to drive the ball outside the hash marks, but you know, you're going to have limitations at this point in the draft. Um, I would say the top guy I'd like with those, one of those seventh round, round picks would be EJ Perry from Brown. And, you know, I know the Ryan Fitzpatrick comparison is going to be a little bit lazy on it, but I, I, I've watched a few games of his. I watched him in the East-West Shrine game. I can see the comparisons. Uh, he plays with great anticipation. And like with Fitzpatrick, what I liked is when he would start making plays with his feet, he would use every 
last inch before the line of scrimmage, before he'd need to throw the ball. And he'd understand the risk. He, he understands risk when he's playing. So he knows when to put the ball high and away. He knows when to tuck it. Those are the kinds of things that I'm looking for uh, out of a backup quarterback. Had 241 yards passing in the East-West Shrine game, three touchdowns. And But if you look over the last two years, 45 touchdowns, 26 interceptions, you know, not even a two, you know, not even a, a two to one interception touchdown interception ratio fumbled the ball a lot too, but he also played on Brown. So you're not surrounded by a lot of, you know, incredible talent, but you get in the seventh round and you draft him. I, he's somebody I would like also um, uh, Jack Cone there from Notre Dame transferred from Wisconsin, came to Notre Dame for a year through for 25 touchdowns to six interceptions. I think in the post draft, he's moved up a little bit from that undrafted free agent range uh, to the late rounds, good size, accurate, just not a whole lot else left to his game. You're looking at probably a Chad Henney type backup. For his I missed who you're talking about on this one. Sorry. No, Jack Cohn from Notre Dame. Oh, yep. Yeah. And uh, also Brock Purdy from Iowa state, kind of a West coast offense guy never emerged into the, you know, second or third round pick. A lot of people thought he would be probably going to go late rounds too. So yeah, Perry Cone, Brock Purdy, those really are the three guys I'd have my eye on in the seventh round for the Dolphins. Yeah, I do like Brock Purdy. Um, <clears throat> I do like a couple of the other guys. Eric Berrier out of Eastern Washington is a guy I mentioned the other day. Uh, he's got very weird footwork, I'll say, but he's one of those guys that he had a very clean pocket a lot of the time at Eastern Washington, and when he did, he just destroyed people. He, he made good decisions, went through his reads, uh, put the ball in special places, and if the pocket started to break down, he made a lot of plays with his feet as well. Um, he hasn't played a tremendous amount of games. He seems very raw, but he's somebody that you may be able to grab, stash in your practice squad, play with for a few years and see how you can develop him. Another one that intrigues me is Chris Olodekun out of um, uh, South Dakota State. He's one of those guys that he's below the radar. Um, he needs some development work. I actually would probably put him above some of the guys that are ranked out there. And I, th he's somebody that's been underrated everywhere he went and managed to rise above. And we've seen those type of Cinderella stories in the NFL before. Uh, he can make every throw. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And he's somebody else I, I, I just keep kind of half an eye on out there as well. Sure. And, you know, you look back at, at the 49ers, they – they were able to develop Nick Mullins, who's turned into a, you know, I'm not going to say a great backup, but somebody who's bounced around the league and got in there and played pretty well. He was an undrafted free agent, you know, there out of Southern Miss and, you know, a, a smaller school. That's where Pat Sertan went, actually. And yeah, I mean, it, I think the Dolphins may be looking for somebody like that here in the seventh round or as an undrafted free agent, somebody who kind of is flying under the radar, maybe doesn't have the best size. Mullins was only 6'1, 210. Um, but, you know, may be a little bit more physically talented and more ready for the NFL game than people think. So th yeah, those they, are the types of guys we're looking for. The, the thing I'd say on that too, is they want somebody that can play either that West coasty RPO type offense. They're not going to look at, you know, your traditional pocket passer with the way that they've built this team to play. And that's yeah, and that, where I, we need to chuck a few guys off the pile and look, look at the style of play that they have. And I think I'm saying, Essentially similar to what you were saying, but I just wanted to reinforce that a little bit. And, you know, just so if people are out there looking, 
take a look at what he's doing, what he runs, or how he would be a fit at the next level. Because sometimes these guys in college are forced into a, a square peg, forced into a round hole, running a system that doesn't fit their skill sets. Sure. And, and that's why, too, I think Jack Cohn's not going to be on the Dolphins' uh, radar because he's more of a pocket passer, more of a vertical option type guy. So I look more at EJ Perry and Brock Purdy, and you, you brought up some, some great names, too, there. So we're going to get through these positions um, as we, over the next month, the NFL draft is one month from today, and we're going to have you all ready to go, not from just a Dolphins perspective, but also from a high level of what's going around the NFL. And that's going to do it for our breakdown here of the 2021 NFL draft quarterback class. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, Paul's fanatic underscore pick. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Facebook, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.